Every year the Board of Rabbis puts on a high holiday seminar where all of us come together and learn from gifted, inspiring teachers so that we hopefully have grist for the mill to have what to bring to you at our high holiday services. And this year it was just as brilliant as every other year. And I had the great good fortune to choose a session with Rabbi Naomi Levy, who just finished a book, uh, The Rabbi and Einstein. Uh, And she was just sharing with us some metaphors, some things that have moved her over the years, some some ways of thinking about these High Holy Days and the themes of these High Holy Days that were really uh, helpful for her and that she found spoke to other people. And she told us a story. She said that she had a dream one night. And in the dream, there was a group sitting around her. And they said to her, Rabbi, we want to know the real meaning of Yom Kippur. And she said, absolutely nothing came. This is a rabbinic nightmare, by the way. (laughs) That you are asked to give a talk and you get up for the talk and you have no notes. You've given it no thought. You have no idea what you're going to say. And she said, so it started as one of those dreams, and I thought that was what it was going to be. But then all of a sudden, what came out of my mouth were there are only really, in her dream, only two themes, really, of Yom Kippur. Theme number one, from Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, and I will remove your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And theme number two, I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And she woke up and she thought, okay, what was that about? Ezekiel 36, 26, really? And she said when she thought about it and got quiet and went in to figure out what that was about, she said, I realize that everything we hope and pray for in life really does boil down to turning a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. There's no possibility for intimacy, no hope for change, no chance of forgiveness if your heart is stone. So then she had to think about, okay, that's lovely. That is really lovely. But how is that two themes? It was the same verse from Ezekiel twice. And she said she understood Because first, you have to remove your heart of stone, which is remarkably difficult and delicate undertaking. And then, you have to acquire a heart of flesh, which is an art form all its own. We just came through Kol Nidre. We just came through the sacred chanting three times to make it a legal formula. Three is the legal number for us as Jews. To make it a legal formula to really annul our vows. We chant this ancient liturgy three times. We're annulling our promises. If you'll notice, if you were paying careful attention, the cantor's words that he chanted did not match the words in your prayer book. His word said, from this Yom Kippur to the next Yom Kippur. Your prayer book says, from last Yom Kippur to this Yom Kippur. Because it's kind of problematic. We're going to annul vows that we haven't even taken yet. So that means Jews make a promise you can't really rely on it because on Yom Kippur they can annul it. They already annulled it. So the Reconstructionist movement says, no, it's okay. Like We're going to annul all the vows in the past year that we couldn't fulfill for lots of different reasons. 
but still it's a little it's a little problematic many of us struggle with this ritual and these words that don't really seem to move us by the way the rabbis tried to get rid of kol nidre and the jews rebelled they said absolutely not this is a special night for us kol nidre is an important part of that night and so i am very pleased that naomi levy helped me reconstruct kol nidre this year because she said what is it really about this annulling of vows she said we all start life with an open curious loving heart and then inevitably we get hurt life can be cruel someone lets you down someone shames you betrays you someone breaks your heart someone abandons you god does not answer your prayers so we start making vows we all know the vows i'll never get fooled like that again i'll never talk to him again i'll never forgive her what she did to me i'll never put myself on the line like that again these vows we make we take them to heart we take them into our hearts and slowly day by day year by year that open curious heart of ours turns to stone we do this ritual as a community this coming together on colnidre and tomorrow to support one another in doing the incredibly difficult and brave work of softening the hearts this process starts with us being willing to tell the truth that we've made promises that keep us from ourselves and from each other that's not an easy truth to face we've come to believe that we're wise we're experienced we know the world and so what we can say is that this is how the world is and this is a normal and natural wise response but it's usually not true we fail over and over again to identify the decisions we've made the vows we've made the promises we've made and we don't check in so much with what's real is this really the case we read recently one of my favorite torah portions parshat nitzavim in the book of deuteronomy and that parsha begins atem nitzavim kulchem hayom and the rabbis say that's the high holidays atem nitzavim kulchem hayom all y'all stand here this day before adonai your god and the rabbis say atem y'all if you just switch the last two letters around you get emet truth it's truth that stands here this day it's truth that we really need at the high holy days and they said truth is what splits bokea derech it splits a path to the divine throne the throne of glory cuz they understood how hard truth is to face for us they also read the word atem y'all as an acronym aleph tav mem standing for if you switch the letters again even makir titzak even hearts that have become stone will cry out that's what we're here to do we're here to cry out together 
that we want to be different, that we want to do it differently this year. It's possible to change. It can seem naive to say, okay, we're going to soften the heart. We have, we've all lived in the world. We see the news. We know what's going on. It can seem naive because who wants to be hurt like that again? So, of course, experience tells us harden the heart, defend yourself, and you make it better in the world. But as Naomi Levy writes, the heart of stone isn't just armor that protects us from incoming attacks. It also makes us less receptive to incoming love and surprise and blessings. And the heart of stone prevents all the goodness inside our souls, all the love and forgiveness and joy and spontaneity and romance from ever getting out. People will suggest, as they often do, that softening of the heart is not something those of us who have been really tragically hurt can do so easily. And they're right. It isn't something we do easily. It's harder the worse you've been hurt. For certain. Talk a little bit more about that tomorrow. But Rabbi Mark Margolius points to the use of the Hebrew word teshuvah, this word teshuvah that we see seven times in Parshat Nitzavim that I just mentioned, lashuv, to turn. And he says teshuvah can arise in the darkest of circumstances. In this parsha, this passage about turning with all of your heart and soul begins in the darkest days of exile. And he quotes Rabbi Alan Liu, who teaches, most of us only embark on the difficult and wrenching path of transformation when we feel we have no choice but to do so. When we feel as if our backs are to the wall, when the circumstances of our lives have pushed us to the point of a significant leave-taking when we have suffered loss or death, divorce or unemployment. Transformation is just too hard to volunteer for. Some of our turning, shuv, lashuv, the root of teshuvah, of repentance, some of our turning comes only as a result of pain or loss forced on us by the circumstances of our lives. Because sometimes the kind of turning we do is just too painful to volunteer for. But we're here to explore the possibility of taking that risk of turning, of reaching into whatever's happening for us, to take that big, giant step forward into trust and hope. Because protecting ourselves, guarding the heart, shielding the heart, having it remain impervious to pain, that has a cost. And in Rabbi Levy's words, we become cautious, controlling, judgmental, cynical, and rigid. We find ourselves living within a very carefully defined range of emotions, happy, sad, interested, bored, but your soul is capable, your soul is aching to experience its full range of emotions. And that's why, she says, I believe Jews recite the Kol Nidre prayer each year. They come together 
to annul those vows, the vows they made that have caused our hearts to constrict. It takes omits live, say the rabbis, a strength of heart to do this. But we believe that that is possible as a people, and that's why we show up every year at Yom Kippur. Because as hard and as frightening as it is, we believe it's truly possible, Lashuv, to turn, to return to a different kind of heart. We also need to do this for ourselves, not just to be compassionate and open to others, but to truly figure out how to forgive ourselves, how to be gentle with ourselves, respectful, empathetic, tender with ourselves. We need to model for our young people what it means to have a spiritual health and courage that leads us to being willing to drop into a heart of good fortune every year to be at Camp JRF over the summer. Sometimes, because I usually go in July, that means I'm there for the holiday of Tisha B'Av. And if you know Tisha B'Av, you know it's the day that the temple was destroyed. But the rabbis say, and they find many historical examples, uh, and they're so good at imagining other ways that every other Jewish tragedy connects to Tisha B'Av. Every Jewish tragedy we commemorate on Tisha B'Av, the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Eastern European Jews, that's what we know so well, Spanish Inquisition. And so they take the kids through this amazing experience on Tisha B'Av, we start in the dining hall, the Chadar Ochel, and we all hold hands. And Rabbi Isaac Sapoznik, the director of camp, says, we're all going to be silent now. And every single camper is silent. There's some way it's communicated by every counselor in the room that this is for real. And you don't mess around with this one. And they are all miraculously, hundreds of them, quiet. And we hold hands and we make a chain. And we leave the Chadar Ochel, we leave the dining hall, and we go very slowly and in silence. And as they walk down the hill, we're all holding hands, they see tableaus um, of counselors in certain poses, and someone is reading an episode from Jewish history where Jewish life was tragically destroyed. And they walk, and they walk, and they walk, and they walk because unfortunately it's a really long chain of events that have happened to the Jewish people. And by the time they finish, they're coming into the huge gathering place, the ulam. They come into the great gathering place at camp silently. And all of them sit on the side of butcher block paper that is rolled out Butcher block paper all across. Think of a small airplane hangar. It's that kind of a place. And the butcher block paper runs down the middle. And in the middle is coal, burned wood. I'm sorry, not coal. Burned chunks of wood. Burned from a fire. And Rabbi Isaac says to them, you've seen now the tragic history of the Jewish people. But we are a people who has been to the brink so many times 
We know danger. We know suffering. We know pain. And we know how to pull back from the edge again and again and again. And he said, so holding all of that suffering that you've just seen, all that you've ever heard about the suffering of our people, that's what's in the middle of this butcher block paper, burned up remnants of Jewish life. But we've always pulled back. And he said, and so I'm going to ask each of you to come take a piece of this burned up wood. And I want you to write on this paper the things that you're willing to let go of so that you can be part of the Jewish people that's ready to move ahead again. That you can, like every generation before you, reinvigorate the Jewish people by being willing to let go, which is what we're doing here. So lest we think, and sometimes we do, that they don't have a lot to be concerned about. Here's what was written in charcoal on that paper as I walked around after they left reading. Fear and loneliness, being mean, shame, anxiety, and the need to worry all the time, comparing myself to others, stress, self-doubt. Ten times on that paper the word hate was written. Judgment, people who make me feel bad about myself, my jealousy, unrealistic expectations of perfectionism, this sadness, caring about what people think, being scared of expressing myself, hatred towards diversity, secrets, grudges, pain, regrets, and at this one, I had to sit down. What I am not. Our precious, beloved young people who we educate and nurture and adore and protect are already carrying these things around. What should we tell them? Toughen up. Shield their hearts. Get for themselves a harder shell. Or do we teach them that we're available because we have a heart of flesh that feels and hurts too? Do we give them an example of the courage it takes to really have a heart of flesh? They need us so that they, in the words of Rabbi Rachel Shabbat Beit Halachmi, so that they, like us, can turn towards living more gently and at the same time, with more purpose. Every one of you builds this place that we have, the place that at camp is that safe place where everyone feels welcome, everybody is safe, everyone is at home. The Jewish people have always depended on this and every wisdom tradition in the world knows that that's what it takes to really be able to have a heart, a flesh, is people around you ready to support you and welcome you, a people to belong to. Every single one of you, including the ones of you who think I'm not talking to you, every one of you is welcome here if you are ready to risk belonging to us. 
So I'm going to ask those of you who have joined KI in the last two years, or anyone who still feels like a new member, if you would stand now, please. Welcome, Griff, it's your home. Welcome to KI. Welcome all of you. This is your home. If you choose truly to belong with us and to us, those of y'all who had someone stand up near you, invite them to a KI event. Invite them out for dinner. Talk to them at Oneg. We should have given them something like big to wear, don't you think? Like a big old sign. You may feel like you don't know anyone here, but for sure, they feel like they don't know anyone here. So just assume everybody you meet outside at Oneg is a new member. Welcome them into this KI family. And as we work through these services, as we move through services, not all the liturgy, not all the music will speak to you, but something might, something might reach into that heart that's ready to turn. Please remain open, remain available for some conversation that happens, some line below the line, some moment of music, some moment of personal reflection, allow that in, allow that to change us. That's what we rely on with these services is that we have not only the capacity, but are willing to have the availability to show up. May we have the courage and strength to listen for the elements of this year's services our reflections that really can help us turn to do teshuva. Return to our best, most loving selves that we may make come true for us all the full verse of Ezekiel 36.26. V'natati lechem lev chadash v'ruach chadasha eten b'kirbechem v'hasiroti et lev ha'even mibsarchem v'natati lechem lev basar may it come true for us that I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I place within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your body and give you a heart of flesh. So may it be for us this Yom Kippur. Shana Tovah.